0: Hello, everybody. Just a quick disclaimer before this week's episode. As you know, we've been recording our episodes remotely lately due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So please excuse the slight dip in audio quality. I also wanted to give a shout out to all the nurses, doctors and medical professionals working every day to save lives. Y'all are the real heroes and we love you. And now here's the show. From the beautiful city of West Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey! welcome to Film Forward, everybody. Hope everybody is staying safe and staying healthy. I am thrilled to be joined by today's guest. She is the producer of such shows as Insecure and The Black Lady Sketch Show. Both of those air on HBO. She is also one of the coolest and smartest people I've ever had the pleasure of working with, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. Miss Denise Davis.
1: Oh, thank you, Nicholas. You are too kind.
0: Thank you for joining us. It's going to be a fun show. I'm really excited to catch up and talk about your lovely work. But first and foremost, how are you dealing with this quarantine and this COVID business?
1: Oh, man. Um, Well, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me. It's a pleasure to chat with you all. And and Nicholas and I go way, way back. So it's great to be reconnected again. But um, with with the current quarantine, you know, I have just been really trying to focus. Focus on what I've been looking at is in two areas, which is my personal life and my professional life. Yeah. Um, so I've been, you know, very adamant that whenever we get out of this quarantine um, or the stay-at-home mandates are lifted, that I better have had something that I can feel proud that I did for my personal self, um, whether that's a hobby or working out or being healthy. I was like, I cannot come out of this three months later exactly the same person that I was. Coming <laughs> um, so I made that promise to myself. So I'm working on that. I've been actually running two miles a day, so I've been very proud of myself. Good for
0: you. God bless. Thank
1: you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Not been easy, I'll tell you that. Um, And then on the professional side, I mean, you know, I've been keeping busy. There's always things going on, at least from our industry standpoint, in terms of development and still doing a lot of reading. But, you know, more importantly, just really trying to find ways to be the most productive on certain projects and, and making sure that, you know, we can still find a way to push them to the next level, even though, you know, nothing's shooting right now. There's still... So always things you can develop and sell as a producer. So yeah, that's that's been pretty much my day-to-day, honestly. Same thing every day. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: it's good. It's good you're staying busy, staying, you know, it sounds like you got a good good head on your shoulders. You're keeping uh, productive, keeping strong, not surprising at all. Let's jump in. Let's talk about Insecure, which is one of the best television shows on. Oh, yeah.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you! Uh, very excited for the
0: season. Yes, uh, so far so great, as far as I'm concerned. It's now <laughs> it's now just started uh, airing its fourth season, and I think we're jumping into the fourth episode of that's going to be airing May third, which will be right before I think this pops out, okay, or right after. I'm sure almost everybody knows you know about this show, but for let's say the five people who don't, can you just tell the audience what <laughs> what Insecure is about? Yeah, no.
1: So Insecure is a half hour comedy. Series on HBO, and you know, it really explores the lives and the friendship of two uh, young black women who are uh, initially approaching 30 years old and really just trying to figure out their lives and their lives that include you know the insecurities that we all deal with. And just it's very grounded, very relatable, very authentic, and funny. And on that, and so really just trying to p- paint a perfect snapshot of what lives look like. And I will say it's very black, um, but it's also very specifically black on purpose, And it, but it doesn't speak for everybody in that culture. And it really is just trying to be its own thing. So I'm um, just super proud of it. And it's been a wild, wild ride, even over these last few years.
0: And you've been with the show since the beginning, dare, dare I say, even before the beginning.
1: Yeah. Dare you say, yeah, in and, and some iterations, yeah. I've been producing with Issa Rae, the creator and the star of the show for, got. I'm going on eight years in June, which is insane. <laughs> I produced Awkward Black Girl, the web series with her, the second season. And that's how we formed a working relationship. And then Insecure actually came around a couple years after that. And so we just stayed working together and she was able to bring me on to the pilot of the show. So in its stages, I, I've been around since we shot the very first
0: pilot. What's it like to kind of be with the project For that long, you know, time is an elusive thing when you start off with a pilot, what probably seems like yesterday, but was five years ago. (laughs) What's it like to watch the project grow? And, you know, you're watching these characters grow and you're watching yourself grow and Issa grow as creators and producers. What is that process like?
1: It's honestly... A beautiful thing. I was just thinking about this the other day, and and realizing, you know, where we were when we did this, and you know, even age-wise, like Issa was pretty much the same age as her character. I was actually a mere twenty-seven years old, Um, and you know, really kind of looking at where we were in our in our own lives and careers, but also as the show goes, God, just like the growth that has happened for everyone involved, right? Like Prentice just having written and directed *Uncorked*, the film that just came out on Netflix a couple weeks ago, and, and doing tremendous there, and. Alina Matsuka is going off to do Queen and Slim and, you know, Issa and I just going and and producing all these other shows for the HBO platform and beyond. And so, you know, it's just been insane to kind of see how this, this baby of a show that we believed in, one, really resonated with the audience and is still around four or five years later, but then more importantly, how we've been able to utilize that to kind of grow our own careers and do other things that we've really wanted to do. And so it's just honestly such a beautiful experience. And one of those things that you realize is very rare Air, uh, in a way. And, you know, most shows, it's hard for them to get past the season two. And here we are, four seasons in, and and still really proud and excited to be telling these stories. So that's really special.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, the, the stories are great. As you mentioned, just like top to bottom, you guys have had this insane catalog of really talented people. You know, Melina, Isa, yourself, like the cast is all hopping, doing great things. Some of the DPs you guys have worked with, I've worked with Ava, not too oh. long ago, a DP. And it's, uh, she's just uh, absolutely incredible. She's um, phenomenal. So it's just great to see, you know, when a network or a studio gives minorities a chance with a show that's greenlit and let them run with it, it's like you can really see just how much the voices have to offer. And it's been great to see everybody kind of take off and and run with it and, and catapult their careers.
1: No, for sure. And, you know, I have to credit HBO a lot for that because... As a network, they've just been so supportive of the show from day one and, and the show that Issa always intended to make. And, you know, the decisions that were made along the way, they just have had our back and, and have only, you know, helped guide us and give us feedback that always felt conducive and related to, you know, the story and these characters and never from a corporate POV or them feeling like they could tell the story better than we could. And, you know, and we appreciate that. And I think, honestly, the show is what it is because we've had that kind of support. And they've just truly believed in what we were doing, um, even for all of us to come into it having never done a show like this before, right? Never having, Melina had never directed television. Issa had never uh, created a television show before. Princess had never show ran before. And so, um, and I'd never produced TV before either. So even just from that angle in, the support from day one is just, you know honestly couldn't have asked for for a better network to be a part of this
0: yeah that's terrific and i mean that's why that's why they're hbo right they, they're, they're, <laughs> they are they are creators first
1: i will say that they're very creative
0: yeah that, that's uh you know they they recognize game they recognize a strong voice <laughs> when when they see it and hear it so kudos to them but kudos to you guys Throughout all this time you guys have really the show's maintained a very strong identity, you know, really strong characters, very flawed characters which obviously is relatable because we're all we're all flawed.
1: We're not perfect. No one's perfect.
0: Nobody's perfect. <laughs> but talk to us about how you guys keep that identity consistent. And especially like coming from you as as a producer, because, you know, you guys are constantly getting visiting directors, you know, different DPs, uh, you know, different creative voices coming through and new cast members and stuff. How do you as a producer and as a team, how do you guys keep that identity consistent and just as strong as it was in season one?
1: I think a lot of it comes from, you know, the strong team at the top that we've been able to form. So, like I mentioned, since the pilot, a lot of the same players are still around, right? Prentice is still there, Issa, Mm -hmm. myself, Melina, our producer's at Three Arts, and so we're all involved in various ways, but you know, we've kind of figured out this divide-and-conquer mentality early on, without even deciding on doing it, it's just the way it worked, but, you know, I, I really do kind of help oversee the production of it all. And when Easton and Prentice are on set filming every scene, I'm on every single scout. I'm with every visiting director. I'm in every production meeting and really kind of making sure decisions and conversations are aligned with what we intend to tell uh, for the story we intend to tell for that season, but also more importantly, the history of our show and why certain locations mean are more important than others or where we filmed before and, you know, how we kind of operate as a show. Whereas creatively, Easton and Prentiss do set a great job in keeping everyone on their toes with the story and the performances. And then Molina just really kind of helps encompasses the visual aesthetic of everything. And is always there to make sure that the looks are being said in um, the way that the show intended to be. And it really is a team effort, honestly. And so all of us kind of come in with the things that we're most skilled at and good at, but also realizing like no one person can be everywhere and anywhere at once. And so we all have to right. figure out how we can make sure we're communicating, but then also we're all speaking the same language, right? So it really has been like this beautifully well-oiled machine and you know with production like things happen all the time fires pop up things that you know you weren't expecting but the most important part is kind of the team and the managerial aspects and the communication aspects and how you kind of navigate that and so I think from that end it's it's the way the show's been as consistent as it can be and you don't ever feel like at least for me I don't ever feel like the show's faltered in that if anything you've only seen it grow right I feel like in yeah, yeah. the season you've only seen the production value and the directing and everything that gets put into the show just grow. And even this season, I, I could see just how beautiful, you know we've come full circle even from the pilot is and it's and it's so great and fulfilling to see that.
0: Absolutely. Let's talk about that a little bit. Production, you know, value, I mean, the production value has always been high from the get, but you could see kind of just you know the characters are are there, the stories there, the history' there. How has the production value or the budget changed, I guess. You know, from season one to season four, does it affect the way that you guys aim to tell the story at all? You
1: know what's interesting? Not necessarily. I don't think we go in intentionally knowing that we want to go bigger and bigger. I think it's always, we've always let the story dictate first, right? And so figuring out what's in the story, but then I think what's been more interesting is just always making sure we're staying true to what our show is. And so that means, you know, always fighting for authentic real locations. We film, you know, six days an episode and I'd say five out of those days are out on location and, and rarely right. on the soundstage. And so, you know, making sure that we're always pushing ourselves to remain, um, to keep the identity of our production <laughs> and DNA true to life, but then also, you know, letting the story dictate what we're doing. And so it just so happens that when you look back from a POV now, from season one, you see, um, you know, Coachella, you see season one was Malibu, mm-hmm. you know, and, and every year just kind of having these little glimpses of something big right. um, from a production standpoint but that was never intentional and it's always stayed grounded and real to our our characters in their world if anything so yeah we just got really hard to be like yeah we we try to shoot at Coachella but since we can't let's just I don't know make up our own pieces of it and make it as real as possible so little things like that
0: absolutely okay so now here's the million dollar question Denise Uh oh here we go which character do you see yourself the most in?
1: You know sometimes in a lot of ways I, I see my life, it, well it's hard because I can't say it's like dead on with any one person but sure. I think I relate to Issa's story line the most, Issa D's and part of it is just because I think we've all gone through life questioning at some point whether or not you're doing what you love, you're doing something you're passionate about or you're doing something that, that's really dear to you and you know frankly speaking I've only been producing my entire life so I don't know what it's like to not want to do this. But right. I've had to, you know, check in with myself and question myself along the way and making sure that I'm always remaining true to who I am. And I think what we're seeing is the character really explore that, really trying to find out who she is in this world, who she wants to be, what she wants her life to look like. And, you know, within that context, I just relate to so much about that.
0: I wholeheartedly agree. I, too, I think relate to Issa D the most.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So so you're saying you cheated on someone. All right, where are we going, Nicholas?
0: What's no happening? well not that part not so much. <laughs> but but if I had, I would have done I would have done all the same reactions that Issa did. The show's fantastic. I'm I'm so happy that you guys made it to the fourth season and counting. I can't wait to see how the season ends. For those of you who haven't seen it, the entire series is streaming right now on HBO Go, HBO Now, and new episodes of Insecure air on Sunday nights. So check it out. We are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more with Denise Davis on Film Forward. The Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival wants you to design the cover art for the 2020 LADFF program. Draw it, paint it, sketch it, colored or black and white, you can make the call. We just want you guys to get creative. Some suggested themes are diversity, resilience, and community. We've got a ton of great prizes. The top winner will be on the cover of the 2020 LADFF program. The top 20 will be showcased at this year's festival. We got free VIP festival passes, featured guest spots on this year's podcast, Film Forward, swag bags, merch, and much more. Deadline for submissions is June 1st, so be sure to get them in ASAP. For more information and submission details, visit LADFF.com contest. All right, welcome back to Film Forward, everybody. We are talking with producer Denise Davis. So, Denise, you and I come from kind of like similar background of producing and production in general. When you know, sometimes you just got to do everything. (laughs) You got to know everything. You know, and when we worked together way back in the day, uh, you were an all-encompassing producer. You know, and in every you were the line producer. You had the the creative in the mind. You had you were you know you were putting out small fires. You were putting out big fires. You were you know picking war wardrobe you were you had your finger on the pulse of the set what does you know having that background in producing how, how has that aided your career in television now has it given you a leg up
1: yeah no absolutely I mean it's one of the things I've been most grateful for is having a background that I had in freelance line producing and, and in production and that's because I realized you know in tv it really is a writer's medium right and so the mm-hmm. showrunners and the writer producers because I'm again I'm a non-writing producer I should make that uh Distinction clear, um, which means I'm not hired to write for the show and then produce the show. I'm coming in strictly as a producer from the executive level as someone who works for the production company who's behind the show. So that being said, you know, I, in the TV landscape, I'm a very different type of producer on set. And um, because I'm not spending time in the writer's room, I spend so much time on set or in prep. And so the conversations and the language that is spoken in those rooms just comes so natural to me, right? It's, it's no different than when I was back in the day going to do, produce low-budget web series. The production and the nuts and bolts of production will always remain the same, but the challenges you face will always be different. The story you're telling is always going to be different, and the budget you're dealing with will always be different. And so those areas you know, have been very flexible, but it's allowed me to adapt and adapt pretty quickly. Even though I had never produced an episode of TV before, very quickly during the pilot, I realized like, oh, it's the same thing. There's just, I don't know, a hundred more people and a couple million dollars more in the budget level, but the way you make film, the way you make television, the way we tell our stories for this medium is exactly the same, right? And so once you know that, you just feel like you're adept to do anything in any way and so i'm forever ever grateful
0: yeah and no matter what the budget level for anybody who's listening no matter what the budget level there's always going to be fires
1: there's always going to be fires. it's never perfect i wish we could say that there's been times when you just had like a perfect production just without any hiccups but that's never the case
0: where would the fun be in that denise <laughs>
1: no, no, we we, they wouldn't need us nicholas they would be like right. we don't need producers there's no there's no problems to solve Everything right. is great.
0: So, going off of that, talking about fun and talking about what's got to be a really interesting show to put together is another show that you're a producer on, The Black Lady Sketch Show. Yes. I mean, this show looks like a freaking blast.
1: It's a lot of fun. It's obviously pure comedy day in and day out. And, you know, with that one, I, I have to give so much kudos to, to Raman Deity and Jax Media who helped produce that show with us. You know, it's not an easy feat. I mean, there's been plenty of sketch shows out there, and ours is similar, but also very much stands on its own just from the the value, the the amount of cameos and quite honestly, having so many different sketches and, and different locations and different creatives. And it was definitely a, a puzzle piece of one to kind of fit together and figure out how to approach that because it wasn't just a linear story that we were telling.
0: Yeah. I mean, some of the guest stars that you've had on that show, the guest stars alone has got to be like, that's dream come true level stuff. Like you got Angela Bassett, David Allen Greer, Patty LaBelle. Like, I mean, that's... Yeah, no, that, that
1: was fun. And also when it comes to guest stars with those people of those names, like, you know, you don't really... Have a lot of flex. You're, you you have to ask yourself as a producer. You're like God. Like, do we go and grab this guest star, and they tell us this is the only hour and the only day they can shoot, or do right. we come to them and say, this is the only hour and the only day we could shoot this sketch? So we need you to be free because we didn't have a lot of wiggle room. And so, you know, there was a lot of interesting back and forths depending on the the celebrity cameo, depending on the sketch, and trying to make it all work in a schedule that made sense because we just didn't have a whole lot of flexibility. But obviously, had really really big dreams and for who we wanted. And, you know, so so amazingly proud of how that all turned out. And Mickey Thomas, who's our casting director, just really, really drove that boat and made it all happen somehow,
0: some way. It's a tightrope when you're working with big, big guest stars or big celebrities like that because it's, you know, as an AD, I know the scheduling could be very, very <laughs> it's a uh it's like playing Jenga, you know?
1: <laughs> right? You're like you, you can't even it's a lot.
0: It was a lot. There's one sketch in particular from that show that got me so good. I was like, you know, maybe this I'm like a kind of a sick bastard for saying this, but I was like, if this was a real show, I would watch it, and it's the, <laughs> the get the belt. <laughs> oh, <laughs>
1: yeah. But also, how fun was it? Because it's, it's so dark, but so real to it's a degree. So where you're like, yeah. I mean, yep. if you haven't been in this situation, if you've never gotten whoopings in your house, then like you cannot relate to this, right? Um, because it's so real for that household. But it's hilarious. I would it's watch that hilarious. all
0: day. It, it was it was such a creative spin on you know that concept that's been done a, a bunch of times. It was it was so much fun. I was like, God, I hope they they do more of those. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like.
1: It's like you almost want to find like an unscripted reality version, of a contest of that show. Like you're like, hey, how do we get these kids to sign up and not get a whoopin at the end of it? Right. Uh,
0: right. Yeah. Is Black Lady sketch show coming back for another season?
1: It is actually, and it is one of those shows that kind of got caught up in the quarantine. We were supposed to be going into production this month or last month, and oh, so snap. it's all yeah, so it's all on pause, and we're hoping that you know we can quickly get back into it when everything goes back to normal. But um, but yeah, but we're very very much looking forward to shooting. Season two of that show. It's very exciting to put that
0: out. Absolutely. I, I loved it so much. And for those who haven't seen it, I would recommend checking it out now because there is, there's like a common storyline, you know, throughout the season that is really poignant for uh, what we're going through today. So, it's so
1: true. I, robin i joked with her and was like you foretold our future like you knew that this was going to happen and it's just it's so funny and eerie how you know how they how they the two relate to each other to a degree it's it's quite funny
0: yeah so black lady sketch show that is also available to stream on hbo go hbo now check it out we are going to take one more break and when we come back denise is going to help us out with our favorite segment give me three What's up, everybody? Here's another edition of Cinephile News, news for all you cinephiles out there. The world's largest theater chain says it will no longer show Universal Pictures movies when their cinemas finally reopen. The decision was made in response to Universal's release of some of its major motion pictures for premium on-demand, rather than waiting to show the film in theaters. Which obviously they would have had to wait due to the coronavirus pandemic. Trolls 2 World Tour was one of the biggest of these motion pictures that was released, and so far the film has grossed over 100 million dollars in streaming rentals. After that film's release, NBC Universal said that they plan to release even more films with premium on-demand rentals, in addition to blasting them out in the theaters. And and well, AMC didn't take too well to that. Since they've made their announcement not to show Universal Picture Films, Regal Theaters have also made the same commitment. High drama, y'all. We'll see how it plays out and if AMC and Regal stick to their guns once movies like say Fast and the Furious 9 come to the big screen, which is owned by Universal. And in some somber news, legendary Bollywood actor Irfan Khan passed away last week from cancer. American audiences know him from his roles in Slumdog Millionaire and Life of Pi, but before those films, he was one of India's treasures. And he'll be remembered for his roles in such films as The Lunchbox and the Oscar-nominated Hello, Bombay. Do yourself a favor this week and check out some of his work he was one incredible actor and you know he just stole any scene that he was in he will be missed both in hollywood and bollywood that's all for cinephile news today and now back to the show and we are back it is time for our favorite segment gimme three where our guests give us three film or tv recommendations of work that has inspired them inspired their career. Miss Denise Davis, are you ready?
1: I'm ready. Let's do it.
0: Okay. Let's get your first one. Uh,
1: My first one would be Chicago, the musical adaptation. So Chicago's first is, it's a classic. I'm actually a big musical buff. So it's one of my all time favorite musical films to watch. And, you know, part of the reason why is that to me, it really did help re-inspire how to approach the musical film. And it's, Mm -hmm. and it's, So creatively done, and you know, just I've seen the stage play, and I'll tell you, the stage play is great and all, but like it doesn't hold a bar to what they were able to do visually in telling the story Um, and for a period piece at that. And so, for all of those reasons, it's very, very high on my list. Usually, the very first choice because it's an all time classic that I can continue to watch. Over and over again So Chicago
0: And Catherine Zeta-Jones in that movie is just like
1: Uh, I mean, between her, all the performances Richard Gere, you know, Renee Zellweger, Queen Latifah Like every single performance is spot on And just impressive, right? Like you just, you cannot believe the amount of work That they all put into this from the song and dances All of them
0: Queen won an Oscar for that, right? She did, she did There you go Since you're a musical buff You gotta check out In the Heights when that comes out
1: I'm so excited for In the Heights. Man, um, let me tell you. Because also, you realize, like, as much as I love a film like Chicago, something like In the Heights, to me, is going mm-hmm. to break the new mold for a musical for a different generation because it's so diverse. And yeah. I think that in the musical space, you know, we don't have a lot of diversity there, or at least diversity that feels like it can pander to a more commercial, widespread audience. You know, you have things like Dreamgirls and the like that have come out over the years, but still very feel like they were targeted and very niche. And so something like In the Heights or even Hamilton, right I'm, I'm really hoping kind of breaks through and is able to play to just much wider larger audience yeah. versus being you know put in a box so I'm, I'm very excited about that one
0: me too i'm excited for it all right let's get your second one
1: so my second one should come to no surprise but it's a television show you might have heard of it called breaking bad never breaking. heard of it never
0: heard of it oh, <laughs> man,
1: that's a bummer you must go watch it today if you have not <laughs> but no but breaking bad you know from a career perspective breaking bad came out when i was in college transitioning into grad school and, you know, I went to film school for undergrad. I went to film school for grad school and initially had these film school dreams that I was going to be this amazing producer in feature films and do these beautiful indie dramas (laughs) and win a Mm -hmm. bunch of offers. And then a show called Breaking Bad came out while I'm in college and just completely changed the game for television and changed the business as we know it in terms of, Finding a way to elevate storytelling for the television medium. And if you really look at the history of television since, you know, just in the last two decades alone, you'll realize that that was between Breaking Bad and Mad Men, honestly. Breaking Bad is one of the game changers in telling a premium level version of storytelling for, um, again, for that medium in a way that hadn't been done before. And so, kudos because you know obviously it's it's such a fan favorite because it is such a, a fun show to watch and be on that crazy journey and also to have a protagonist actually be a villain on top of that and see someone go from good to bad it's just all these things and layers that will forever be a timeless classic so definitely on my list all-time favorite television show breaking down.
0: absolutely i remember the first time I was also in in film school when that when that show hit, and I was like on a like a travel gig. Like a bunch of us were staying in the same house, and you know, a, a long day after set, we all come back, and a few of the crew members were like, "Have you seen Breaking Bad? Have you seen Breaking Bad?" This was like you know three or four episodes in to the whole series, and so they threw it on, and I did my my hair was blown back, my head exploded. I was like, "Whoa, this is." different
1: never seen, and you realize it's different the minute you get into it you're just like mm-hmm. you've never seen something like that for tv I, and it takes you a second to even register it
0: yeah yeah excellent choice breaking bad can't go wrong if you haven't seen it what the hell is wrong with you but uh, go watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> all right and your your third and final miss denise
1: My third and final, I was trying to be very educational here, but my third and final on this list is Scandal. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you why Scandal not only, you know, obviously was a game changer in many ways for network television and its ratings and being one of the first, you know, primetime broadcast shows in so many years, having a a leading African-American female as a star. But more importantly, outside of just the great storytelling and acting in that show, you know scandals on my list because it really did help pave the way for the social media and the live tweeting of it all that we now do today. People forget that it really was scandal that kind of started that initially because it had such an avid fan base and myself included who could not wait for Thursday nights to watch their show but also be watching their show with their phone in their hands or the front <laughs> of them um, because you just wanted to see what the cast was also going to tweet. You wanted to see what everybody else was thinking about those job dropping moments those cliffhanger moments. And so it really what became, you know, must watch television, but more importantly, tied into the social media digital age that we now live in and no show before it had really kind of done that. And it and it really helped push it towards the success it reached. And so for all of those reasons, and obviously, you know, I have a show called Insecure Now that can be definitely right. looked at in, in a similar model. But, you know, before us, there was Scandal and Scandal really did that for the culture more importantly. And so that would be my third option. The list
0: and Shonda Rhimes. I mean, God, I mean, she is
1: like she was already killing it with Grey's Anatomy, but Scandal Mm. just put her in a whole nother stratosphere, as we all know.
0: Absolutely. Three excellent choices, Denise. Thank you, Nicholas. Thank
1: you. I was trying to be a little different, (laughs) trying to be
0: different. Yeah, it's good. You got, you know, very eclectic and mix it up. It's it's great. (laughs) Thank you so much again for joining us today. It was really great to catch up. I'm so happy to see, you know, your success and you doing great things. It's A, not surprising, but it's just, it's great to see when, you know, like when you know good people in the industry and you work with them, you're like, God dang, I just want them to be, you know, doing good things. And it's really fantastic to see you out there killing it.
1: Oh, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Nicholas. And and thank you again for having me. This is always, you know, joy of mine and such a pleasure to talk to you and reconnect with you.
0: Absolutely. Thank you all guys for tuning in on another episode of Film Forward. We will catch you guys next time. In the meantime, stay safe, stay sane and binge insecure it is on hbo streaming now and also the black lady sketch show hope you guys all have a wonderful week thank you again our recording engineer and mixer is anselm kennedy the podcast is produced by anselm Sonia maru and yours truly thanks for joining us on film forward and you'll hear us next time